Wow, that is so good. Let's, let's come together and then go back to our place on the wall and do what we do. I hadn't even planned on talking about Nehemiah, and I'm not going to, but I love that piece. I just, that, that motivates me, right? Um, motivates me like I'm getting ready to do a big lift. Um, guys, I got sweaty palms today, and I have no lifting chalk, and uh, I don't know what to do. So I'm good. I will not drop the mic, I promise. But guys, welcome. Um, as my beautiful wife said, today is the, the first Sunday in December. This is also known as Advent Sunday. It kicks off what we call the Advent season. And Advent is, it comes from the Latin word for coming. And that's what we're talking about is the coming of Christ. And that's what the whole season, this is the first season in the Christian calendar. And it talks about um, all these Sundays lead up and they talk about the things that Christ brings to us. So that on the day of his birth, that we celebrate the day of his birth, um, we know exactly who we're celebrating and why we're celebrating and what makes it so special. Um, it is also known, it's a little less popular, but it is known as Alabama SEC Champion Sunday. Yes. Listen, listen. For those of you who don't know, I'm an Alabama fan. But I was most excited not about the win but about the fact that I did not have to take that joke out and rewrite the beginning of the sermon, because I'd put that in like early in the week. I was confident, but that four, that four quarters wore me out, right? <laughs> and then, of course, there was Jingle Jam last night. And that was exciting. It was busy. I know for Amy, right, there was just so many moving pieces. And last night I got here and and you get into kind of work mode, and you get to moving around a lot, and then there's people to talk to and all these conversations to have, and you get caught up in the energy. And for a true extrovert like myself, I thrive off of that. But it becomes busy in my head because I have all this background noise, and, and I go home, and I'm having trouble winding down. So I want to practice the sermon, so I go downstairs, and I'm, I'm looking over my notes, and I just can't come off of it because I'm just so busy. But for a lot of us, that is a direct reflection of what the holiday season looks like. Right? Man, we got parties at work, parties at school, parties at the gym, parties at church. Right? We got family get-togethers. And for some of us, that can mean a party like the biggest party of them all. There would be dozens of people there. And what gets lost in those moments is why exactly are we celebrating? Like, what's the point that we're after? What are we trying to accomplish when we're, we're getting together, when we're all of a sudden a little, more, um, we're a little more ready to be out and among our peers? right? We accept that we're going to see more people. We're going to do more things. And then, of course, there's shopping that has to be done. right? There's meetings. There's events that, that aren't really parties, but you have to go. If you have children, you know you're going to go to the school at least once for those people who I don't know why I had four children. You're going to go to the school like four or five times in a, in a Sunday or in, a, in the season, right? But it just gets busy. And for me, that gets a little overwhelming. And I know that it probably does for you too. Amen. It gets overwhelming. And the thing is, in this super commercialized season that we call Christmas, in our buying frenzy, we forget exactly what we're doing, right? We forget, we forget the what we know the who, but we forget the why exactly are we celebrating. What is it about this Jesus? So today we're going to look for some ways, and, and I'm going to share some insights 
that I took from the Bible that will help us refocus on what and let us forget about the when and the where for a few moments. Right? Let us center in and let us try and remember and soak in the wonder that is Christ Jesus. Can we do that? Can we do that together? All right, guys, I'm going to say a short prayer. After this prayer, it is my pleasure to bring you a clip from one of the greatest classic Christmas movies of all time. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Sunday morning. We are expectant of the coming of you, not only to this place, but we're looking forward to whenever it is you come back. Lord, just like the nation of Israel was looking for you, this is the advent, this is the coming. And God, we're excited to be here. Jesus, we love you. We're asking you to open our eyes, our ears, and our hearts that we would see here and we would take with us what it is you're wanting us to take outside these doors, what you want to impress upon us during this busy season. Jesus, we pray these things in your name. And all the people said? Lights, please. I guess you were right, Linus. I shouldn't have picked this little tree. Everything I do turns into a disaster. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid, and the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Wasn't that great? I could mic drop right there. I know some of you who, who think you know me best, you were probably going to see Die Hard or maybe Lethal Weapon because that is also a great Christmas movie. It starts in a Christmas tree farm. But I could not find a way to work those in biblically. So we're going we're gonna to go here, right? Um, I love some peanuts. I love Charlie Brown. And this was definitely one of the most played movies at my house during the Christmas season. Um, I actually look forward to it every year still. And, um, you know, Charlie Brown, he's caught in this moment of uncertainty. And he's, he knows that, by the way, this was written in 1963. So what Charles Schwartz wrote about then is the same thing we're going through now, right? He's writing, he, he's reflecting in his cartoon what he's feeling. And that is that Christmas has become so materialistic. And Charlie Brown is wondering, like, uh, what, what's the reason? Why, why are we doing this? And I can't find it in this present. I can't find it 
in directing this play that's supposed to be going on at school. And I can't find it while I'm looking for the perfect Christmas tree. And so he steps off to the side of the stage and he says, Isn't there anybody who can tell me what Christmas is all about? And Linus, he steps up rather slowly. And he quotes the Bible. Specifically, it's Luke chapter 2. And I don't know how Linus knew that, but that's where we're camping out today. So it works, right? But it's specifically verses 8 through 14. And he does a flawless job. I mean, Linus must read a lot of the Bible because he was really good right there. So guys, we're going to be in Luke chapter 2 today. And in the verses that follow, what happens is the shepherds, they go ahead and they go to Bethlehem and they find this little baby and they meet the family. And as they're there, they begin to tell the family, um, about this crazy interaction with this angel and then with these heavenly hosts that are singing. And, and the baby's mother has had her own interaction and Joseph has had his interaction and Mary's just kind of storing these things up in her heart. Right? Um, and we know that, that Jesus has come to be the Messiah. That Jesus has come to be um, something different. And we know that after eight days... Uh, Jesus was taken and he was circumcised and then he was given the name Jesus. So he really wasn't Jesus that first seven days. I don't know how that works. Um, but after 40 days, it was Jewish law that he be taken back to the temple. And at this temple, he would be taken before God. And what that basically means is what we call baby dedication now. Right? He's just taken and he's prayed over and he's, he's offered to God. God, take this child and do with him as you will. And there's two interactions that we're going to focus on that happen in this temple. And these interactions are really the first, um, it's the first time that we see uh, what makes Jesus different. It reminds us, it's the first clues um, that help us understand what makes Jesus so worthy of celebrating then and how we have um, religiously celebrated now for the better part of 2,000 years. See, Linus, in his oratory of the reason for the season, we're going to call it, um, he gave us some substance in that verse, but there's really no background. And he answers the question by declaring that Jesus is the meaning of Christmas. And that's true enough, right? But, but what makes Jesus so special? What makes Jesus worthy of high praise? Is it the things that Jesus did? Is it the words that he spoke while on earth or the miracles he performed for the sick and the afflicted? You know why? So we're about to go read some verses. We're going to look for some clues in there. Um, the first kind of points that, that point out what makes Jesus so glorious for us. So again, guys, we're in Luke chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 25. And it says, there was, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, 
a light of revelation for the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. That's the New International Version. But So here's this old guy, right? He is probably the high priest in this temple in Jerusalem. And he's been waiting for God to come back and, and basically stick up for Israel. See, there's this, this long history. Here's this background, right? There's this long history of God and the Israelites. And, and God makes this covenant. We call this the Old Covenant with Israel. And He says, I'm going to bring you out of captivity. I'm going to make you a light unto the world. I'm going to do all these great and special and wondrous things for you. And all I ask of you is that you do as I say, and you worship no other. And if we go back and we read the Old Testament, we see that Israel had pretty much failed at their part of the deal, right? And God went silent. At this point, God's been silent for pretty close to 400 years. And things are pretty bad by the time Jesus hits the scene. The Israelites are the epitome of the word oppressed. They've been conquered and they are ruled by the Roman Empire, which is not people you really want to be over you. right? It was a nasty position for the Israelites to be in. And this guy Simeon, he keeps waiting for God to come back, fulfill his promise that he would reverse all of this. As a matter of fact, He's been told, revealed to by the Holy Spirit, that he would not, that he could not die until his own eyes had physically seen the Messiah. That is the Savior of a people. And what Simeon is waiting on is the fulfillment of a prophecy from the book of Isaiah. This is 700 years before. And in Isaiah it says, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her, that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she is received from the Lord's hand double for all of her sins. So this priest, he's, he's living his life. He's kind of struggling out his life in this temple. And he probably goes through periods of despair where he's like, when is God going to fulfill this promise? We don't know how old he is, but we know that he knows he can't die until he sees this. And then one day, he walks into the temple courts, and he's just going to do his priestly duties, and he goes bebopping in, and he sees this baby. And instantly, he changes everything when he grabs this baby, and he starts to praise God, and he calls this baby, your salvation. Imagine that, he's holding this baby, he's looking up to heaven, he says, this is your salvation. This is the comfort of Israel where the comfort is the easing of a person's grief or distress. In this case, it's a people, it's a nation. The thing is, that's not the only thing that happens in that moment. We go back to the text. We're going to keep reading. Now we're going to go to Luke 2, verse 36. It says, There was also a prophetess, Anna, a daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher, she was well along in years, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and was a widow for 84 years. She did not leave the temple complex serving God night and day with fasting and prayers. At that very moment, she came up and began to thank God and to speak about Him to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Again, it's another old person. By this version, Anna is somewhere in the neighborhood of 100. Actually, she should be north 
of a hundred years, if we're to believe how this was translated. She was married young, but her husband had died, and since then she had basically been nonstop at the temple, fasting and praying. She's what I would call an intercessor extraordinaire. This is all she does, fast, praying, fast, praying. And every once in a while, she has some insight into something, and she's named a prophetess because of this. And in the moment that she walks into the temple courts, we don't know if she was there because she was supposed to be a part of the ceremony, or she just walking by and she looks in and she's like, hey, that's it. She instantly realizes that Jesus, this little baby, is the answer. She knows it's completed right there just by looking at this baby. And she begins to tell other people around who have been, um, it says, waiting on the redemption of Israel. So there's people that are standing around this temple, I'm sure. These are the, the true believers as we talk about the Christmas Chronicles. right? These are the ones that, that are waiting. They believe wholly in God, that He's going to come back. He's going to fulfill His promise. And she immediately starts walking around and telling these people, Hey, the answer, He's in the temple courts. Hey, it's happening right here, right now. She's also fulfilling a part of the prophecy. She's not waiting on. She is fulfilling a part of the prophecy that's in Isaiah. This says, Be joyful. Rejoice together, you ruins of Jerusalem. What's left of what was once a mighty and great nation? Be joyful. And it continues, For the Lord has comforted His people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. See, Simeon and Anna, they're a picture of the old guard. They're the remnant, the keepers of the original covenant between God and the Israelites. And yet, they were instantaneously made aware that the new covenant, the new answer, the new protector, the new healer, the guide, the warrior, the mighty warrior, was here. And it was in the form of this baby. And I don't want you to get caught up in the idea that this was just for the Israelites. Right? We use the word Israelites, we use the word Jerusalem. Those are one and the same. But if you go back to what the high priest said, Simeon says, For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the light or in the sight of all nations a light of revelation to the Gentiles I was talking with Andy about this earlier this week for a high priest in a Jewish temple to be acknowledging let alone including Gentiles pretty close to blasphemy right this was unheard of because the Israelites were God's chosen people it was just them up until this point because with those words Simeon is declaring that this is no longer about just a certain people and not only is this new covenant valid for Israel but it's valid for the Gentiles which loosely translated means everybody else that's you that's me it's the guy walking down the street outside it's everybody and this is something new this this requires a shift in the mindset 
But some like 60 years later, Paul declares in Romans chapter 9, he doesn't really declare anything. He also quotes another um, prophet from way back in the day. And he says, as he says in Hosea, I will call them my people who are not my people. And I will call her my loved one who is not my loved one. And in the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there they will be called children of a living God. He, where it says, and he says, he is God. And this was a prophet from way before this time where God was saying through this prophet, this is going to be for everybody. This isn't just for the select few. When, you know, no one knew it was Jesus. No one knew who Jesus was by name. But all of these clues in the Old Testament point to this moment where this one baby comes. And this baby comes to change everything. And it's immediate. It's immediately noticeable. You know, God is saying that he's going to redeem everybody. In his... In his sovereignty, that means this is his mind that he made up. No one else can change his mind. No one else can make his mind up for him. That his love is for all living people. Right? God didn't create a place just for some. God loves everybody. And God, because he loves everybody, wants everybody to be included. And we can be included. Right? We can be included because God is a loving God. He's a just God. And most importantly, He's a forgiving God. Right? I'm thankful for that forgiveness. Because I shouldn't have been included. But God really enjoys taking people who are not my people and making them my people. God loves doing that. There's no greater joy than somebody who is not part of 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 my plan, somebody who's not part of my people, to transfer over and become the included, the called. God loves that. God wants all of us to know Him in a very personal way. And we can all do that through this Son, Jesus, this little baby, right, that was born some 2,000 years ago. But first, we have to open our hearts to the healing qualities of Jesus. See, Simeon and Anna, they knew immediately who Christ was, even as a tiny baby, because their hearts were postured looking for the redemption of Israel. They were looking for comfort. And God impressed upon them as they stood in this, this place of lowliness. They were waiting for it. God put on their hearts who this is they were seeing in that moment. And I believe that today, God can do the same thing. In today's day and age, God can reveal to us that Jesus is the answer. Just like Simeon and Anna, what we can see in Jesus is hope. And that is the reasonable expectation that things can be different. You know, God can impress upon us that Jesus can change everything for us too. In matters of salvation, 
or conversion, whatever you want to call it, when people don't know Jesus as their personal Savior. When these people are they're out of questions and they're out of answers, they're at the end of the line, they have nowhere else to go, God begins to lay a burden on their heart. And the only thing that can ease that tension that comes with that burden is the very illogical love of Jesus. And at the moment that they reach their hand out and they say, I'm going to try this faith with just a little bit, at that moment, there is instant change. I know what happened to me. I know what happened to just about everybody in this room who's, who's a believer. At some point, you put your hand out and you say, God, I'm out of hope. I need comfort. God, I'm a bad person. I need to be redeemed. You know, for the brokenhearted, for the destitute, the conflicted and the weary, there's maybe someone in the room who's asked God to just, just stop it. God, make it go away. Maybe we've, maybe we've planned how to make it go away on our own. How to make it stop just by stopping it all. And with just a tiny bit of faith that maybe something can be different. I need this comfort. I need this redemption. God can impress upon your heart. Put a little faith in me. A little trust in me. And things can be different. Things will be different. Because I am the consolation. Maybe for those of us who feel like we got it together most days but sometimes we wonder it's just too busy what else can I possibly have to do today it's that same thing Jesus are you there when God lays on your heart yeah I'm here Jesus answers you I'm here and I'm going to bring you comfort Andy talked about holidays when we struggle because we've lost loved ones around the holidays. Somebody close to us. Jesus can change that too. Knowing that we're loved. And God wants that for all of us. He wants all of us to understand that we are part of the plan of a good, good father. So Jesus was sent as the final solution. We as the human race had gotten so far off course that God decided there needs to be a final price. And Jesus was sent to be a ransom. This redemption that he would trade us from a life where we were sinned to lies and sin that bound us to certain death. That we would have everlasting life with him. That we would know love and understand love like never before. Because we couldn't earn it, we couldn't work for it. There's nothing we could do to change the course we were on. And God said, I'm going to do that for you. 
guys, if we, if we turn our eyes to something different than what we're trying to do, right? When we have no hope in everything around us and we put our hope somewhere else, that's when God really shines a light on this answer for you. And we all know it. We can all feel it. It's not big, great ringing bells. It's a silent whisper from a dad who wants to put his arms around you and just holds you close. And that's what this baby was. He was to hope. He was to hope. And he was recognized by those that were looking for hope. Thirty years after this, Jesus was that final answer, that ransom. He was the final demand, and it was met on a cross on a hill for all of us. And guys, that's what Christmas is all about. That's what we're doing here right now. That's why we celebrate this season. Because this is the beginning of a journey of the one who would change it all. The only one capable of changing it all. And these two old servants who were looking immediately recognized this baby as such. Guys, it's possible that we too can have God impress upon our hearts that Jesus is the answer. And He's the final answer. Is it possible that we can believe enough that Christ can bring us hope for a different type of life and for a different outcome? Because if so, that's worth all the celebrating in the world. Andy. Thank you. I love that, Davis. Um, Davis didn't share this with you, but he is. He shared a little bit of it, but he's a perfect example of the hope that we talk about at Christmas, that we celebrate in the baby Jesus who goes and literally gives his life for you and me. Davis is, what, just north of a two-year, almost three years now of being a Christian, of putting his faith in Christ. And he's up here preaching now, sharing a message on what who Jesus is. And there was a time where he wouldn't have known Jesus if he sat down next to him. And I love that. I love the story of Simeon and Anna. It's not a story that we talk about a whole lot, is it? The, the, the priest and the prophetess. It's pretty boss. But think about your own life. I mean, they, they, they whatever they were doing, they stopped. Whatever ceremony and whatever, whatever, whatever job in the temple they were doing, whatever prayer they were praying, whatever, whatever they were involved in, the minute their eyes rested on Jesus, 
everything changed for them in that very second, in that very moment. I don't know about you. I, 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 I feel like I'm pretty good at walking into a room or a scenario and recognizing what's wrong. You ever get that feeling? Like you, you walk into maybe your house and you're like, it's too quiet in here. Like, and you have that, you have that prickly Spider-Man sense, you know, like something is not quite right. Or if you, if you have kids, you know this feeling, why is it so quiet in here? And you immediately know something is happening that should not be happening, right? We're good as humans at recognizing when things are not right. When's the last time you walked into a room and you literally said to yourself, this is exactly the way it should be. This is perfectly right. Yes. Probably never. And yet, this is what happened in this moment. You've got, you've got the priest who's doing his priestly duty and you've got, you've got the prophetess, Anna, and they walk in and, and, and in a moment they recognize this is what we have been living for. This is what we have been waiting for. This is what we gave our life for. This is it. It's not going to get any better than this. God, you can take me now. I'm ready, baby. It's my paraphrase, but that is literally what happened. They stopped whatever they were doing, and they recognized who Jesus was. This is the hope of Israel. Let's get even more specific. This is the hope of Jerusalem. This is the hope of my town. This is the hope of my village. This is the hope for my family. This is the hope for me. video with Linus at the very, very beginning and we'll wrap it with this. I love it. Linus is reading from Luke chapter 2 with Charlie Brown and he's got his little security blanket. I don't know if you noticed, Linus is famous for his blanket. He starts reading the Bible but when he gets to the spot where the angels say, fear not, you might have missed it. He lets go of his blanket. Both his hands are free let's go of everything all the fears all the things that are trying to define him all these things obviously i'm i'm being a pastor right now and i'm 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 i'm, I'm embellishing this i'm tying it in for you but it's so true Simeon and Anna stopped everything they were doing they let go of everything that they had to do all their responsibilities and they set their eyes on Jesus and the responsibility in front of us is absolutely no different. Stop everything that you're doing. Stop everything that's trying to define this moment for you. Let go of every single thing that's trying to define you. Let your security blanket drop to the floor for a minute and recognize who Jesus is, what he's done for you, and what he's calling you to become his follower, someone who is saved by grace, a son and daughter in his kingdom. That's what Christmas is all about. Amen.
let's pray. And as we have this moment of, of kind of recognition, the Simeon and Anna moment where all of time kind of stops, I want you to experience a moment like that right now where you just let it all come to a screeching halt and you recognize who Jesus is. And maybe you're sitting here this morning and you have never put your faith in Jesus. This is a new thing for you. Maybe you're hearing the story for the very first time about the Son of God who was sent for you, who died on a cross for your sins. And maybe there's a revelation that's hitting your heart where you just, you don't have any explanation for it, but you know it. You know it's true and you believe it's true and you want to put your faith in Jesus and his sacrifice for you today. I have great news for you. Jesus came for you and he's offering hope for you today. Father, we thank you, God in heaven, for Christmas, the Christmas season. We thank you for all the things that come with the holiday season that, that help us to focus our eyes on Jesus. And this morning, we reject all the distractions, all of the things that, Lord, are, are, are pulling us away for the real reason that we celebrate. God, we celebrate you. We celebrate your son, Jesus. This is why we do what we do. This is what we're after. you help everything stop in our life right now that we might fix our eyes upon you Jesus you are the son of God come to the world for us to give me hope that things might be Jesus, you are the Son of God, the Son of the living God, the hope for the world. You lived a perfect life for us. You died a death for me. You took my place. You paid the price for my sin. And this morning, Lord, we fix our eyes upon you and we say thank you. If you're sitting here this morning and you there's just a stirring in your heart and you know you need to put your faith in Jesus as your personal Savior, as the one who gives you hope. Would you pray this with me? Say, Jesus, thank you for coming to earth. Thank you for living a perfect life. Thank you for sacrificing your life for me that I might experience new life. I put my faith in you today as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for changing everything. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. You know what amen means? Does anybody actually know? It's one of those churchy things in the South we get used to saying, don't we? It means so be it. Kind of has that old school sound to it, like as it is written, so let it be done. So be it. There's something about a people that agree out loud and say some things that Jesus is good. Amen. Jesus is alive. 
Amen. Jesus gives us hope. Jesus changes everything. And that's why we celebrate. And it gets me pumped this Christmas. Stand to your feet. Davis, thank you for reminding us of the story. You, you, you so eloquently presented the gospel story of Jesus coming to earth. And now, church, what you and I get to do is we get to live it out. We get to live it out as people who recognize who Jesus is and what he's done. That changes everything for you and me. And now, go show the world. Amen.